This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to get a chance to visit with Andrew Graham. Andrew heads up Outpatient Oncology and Infusion, New York Presbyterian, the Brooklyn Methodist Hospital. We're going to talk today about sort of oncology management, what they've done, some of their work with lean toss, and, and a lot more. Andrew, New York Presbyterians always ranked as one of the very top, most elite systems in the country, a magnificent institution. Can you take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about outpatient oncology and infusion and just a moment about your career? Sure. Thanks, Scott. So, yeah, I first want to thank you for having me on. This is really a fantastic experience. Um, but I've been now 15 years as a nurse. Um, I went to University of Scranton undergrad, graduated from there. I started my nursing career immediately in oncology. Uh, I was at MSK for about 13 years. Um, and then I ended up leaving that facility, ended up going outpatient at another uh, location. And that was sort of my dipping my toe into uh, outpatient. And then really from there, um, I ended up transferring and working with Brooklyn Methodist. And again, it was sort of, the, as you kind of said, it was the New York Presbyterian name, <clears throat> reputation that kind of drew me into it. But what kind of kept me there and has continued to keep me here is, is the people and the opportunity. And I think that there's tremendous potential that Brooklyn really has. Um, so, you know, as, as you kind of know, uh, Presbyterian is sort of the, the enterprise of the mothership, if you will. And there are uh, Columbia and Cornell are our two uh, Ivy League medical schools and campuses that reside underneath it. So we call those spheres. So you have your Columbia sphere. And so they see mostly of the West side and into, uh, into Westchester and, and so forth. Whereas then Cornell is more of the um, East where it's Queens, Brooklyn and lower Manhattan. And so Brooklyn Methodist is under the, the Cornell sphere. Um, and so, uh, Brooklyn Methodist is still fairly new within the NYP system. Um, it became part of it back in 2016, but it was actually fully merged uh, this past fall. Um, and so Brooklyn historically has had such a dedication to um, underserved uh, patient populations and, and its dedication to the community. Um, so it's kind of a unique and a very exciting time that with the partnership of, of NYP that um, along with that comes, you know, resources and opportunities and, you know, ways that they, how they've kind of done things to get them to the, to the tier that they're at, or, you know, how can we not, you know, replicate those types of uh, core tenets of excellence and, and replicate that in, into Brooklyn. Um, and obviously the community of people within that area deserve, you know, stellar um, oncology care. Uh, and so that's sort of the exciting part for me is uh, being able to contribute to that. Um, sort of effort. Thank you very, very much. Fantastic and, and, and incredible system. And I appreciate the reference to Cornell and Columbia, two magnificent academic medical centers within that sort of hub of New York Presbyterian of NYP. Talk a little bit about outpatient oncology care, Brooklyn Methodist. And you've recently gone through a very significant transformation there. Talk a little bit about why the transformation, why the movement towards AI-based solutions, and what challenges were you trying to solve for in going through this transformation? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think there's been a big shift, as we all know, into uh, an emphasis into um, outpatient. So, uh, and again, this is sort of ties in with the partnership of uh, or merger with NYP is that they decided to invest in a brand new state-of-the-art outpatient center, which is called the Center for Community Health, CCH. And so uh, previous to this, um, the infusion center was 16 chairs 
down on Fourth Avenue in Park Slope, and now building this brand new center. Um, it's it's a 35 chairs bays, you know, if you will. Um, and uh, and so that's one side of the building, and then the other side of the building is 16 office practice uh, suites. And so it's now a, a one-stop shop for patients, where patients can come in, they can. Um, you know, get have their phlebotomy done, they're all their labs, they can go see their doc, and then come right again across the hall and receive their um, receive their infusion. And it could be anything from chemo to non-chemo to hydration, immunotherapy, what have you. Um, we have our own pharmacy on site. So again, it's, it's such a tremendous um, resource to have all of these right at, at your fingertips to be able to, to uh, to be able to deliver your, your patient's care, right? So uh, sort of the growth about this is with down on 4th Avenue, because it was such a small footprint of 16 infusion chairs, when they opened this brand new center, it was sort of like, you know, they're like anywhere, like you just want to open it and have it start to be operational, but then it's going to be sort of a phase-in process. So you only have a staffing model that's going to be in support those 16 infusion chairs because you're pretty much just picking up the previous staffing model and placing it. So, you know, with that comes, and that just opened last March, March of 2021. So, or excuse me, well, now we're coming up on two marches ago, right? In the very near future, we're up to two years. And so along with that was just the, the new space equals new work, workflow is equals new challenges, right? So how do you figure out who goes where and how does check-in go? How does check-out go? That kind of stuff. And then that's just simple sort of, you know, anytime you're opening up a new area, but then you factor in that there's COVID, it's Omicron back in December of last year. Um, and then they rolled out Epic. So with the new CIF system also comes new challenges, new workflows and making sure the providers are putting in the orders correctly in the first place that we have the schedulers are going and, and ordering things correctly off the work queue or off the active list. Um, and so I think we've all kind of seen a, a sort of reshuffling within um, within various local campuses. You know, you might have uh, a nurse or a medical assistant or even a doc that's been working at one place for several years, you know, present company included. Then you look at, you know, hey, we're coming out of a pandemic. What, a, you know, what are other challenges or, you know, opportunities that I can kind of seek? And um, so with that is we've experienced some turnover and then there was, you know, uh, just stuff related to vaccinations and this and that. And, and so there has been some, like I said, some reshuffling. So with that has come, you know, temporary staff. And so, which have been a great sort of band-aid, but again, they're only there for 13 weeks at a time. So it's a lot of handholding, uh, you know, education, doing things to, to make sure that it gets done right in the first place. But then those individuals are only there for a short period of time and then they're up and leaving. So that, that's sort of the initial challenges we had in the beginning was we're in a brand new space. We're dealing with, you know, significant call outs. The staff are sick. Uh, morale is kind of low with turnover and um, just kind of figuring things out in real time. And then you factor in, you know, a new scheduling system of Epic. It was, it was a tough time. And so having a third party like, um, like LeanTOS, like ITU to, to help us to just figure out like, hey, we have 35 chairs, but we can't flip the switch on all 35. Like we need to reel this in a little bit. We want to kind of dial back on certain infusions so that we're not stressing out our staff. And we want to really focus on our retention of our, of our staff. And then how can we recruit, you know, future staff as we start to expand and open up more chairs. 
Um, so that was our, our sort of our initial sort of response back in January um, was really listen to the staff, partner with them, understand what their problems are, and then kind of would go to, um, you know, these, these meetings with Lintos and we're like, hey, look, our staff are really struggling with these appointments in the morning or they're really struggling, like not taking breaks. And how can we kind of spread these things out? Um, and so we had a lot of these conversations and we started to, to talk about it. And then they were the ones that were like, something's not right here. They're, they're not being booked into the, the schedule blocks. And then we come to find out that all of the temp workers had overbooking access. So although that they were well-intentioned, they weren't going incorrectly into the schedule. So we had to go back to Epic and say, we need to remove their access to do these certain things that should only be done by supervisors and managers. And then it was sort of a retraining of the staff of like, no, you still have access. You just aren't utilizing the systems correctly. And so again, it was very granular, you know, it felt like very much in the weeds trying to get things going. Um, but again, that's where you didn't want providers to feel like their patients were quote falling through the cracks. And we were finding with all of this, like, perfect storm that was going on, it really was like, we have to get back to basics. And so how does Epic work? How do we train? How do we uh, provide structure and guidance for the schedulers? And then lastly, how do we audit and make sure that things are being done correctly? And then lastly, how do we do sort of a review? So it's that PDSA model, right? Plan, do, study, act. And so <clears throat> it really was then once we're doing things, it's talking with the staff, partnering again with IQ, looking the data, seeing what our compliance rates are, and sort of taking physical data and anecdotal data and then applying, um, you know, some modifications moving forward. So in the beginning, it was very sort of simple. Um, what we were hoping to accomplish is how do we just schedule patients correctly in the first place and how do we do things right? Um, and then we started to kind of like get some early wins, gain some momentum, and then we really started to rock and roll after that. Thank you very, very much. And, and, and take a moment a little bit. I mean, some of the results you've seen so far in sort of this IQ management program, the Lintas IQ management product, how has the integration worked or impacted both patients and clinicians? What are you seeing so far? Yeah, you know, I reflecting upon it, it's sort of like you have your intentional and unintentional results, right? So our intention going into it, as I said, was we just wanted to figure out how to schedule patients correctly. How does Epic work when it comes to infusion, when it comes to office practice, whatever that is. So our, our initial sort of uh, intent was just to, to schedule patients correctly. And so when we looked at our uh, patient satisfaction scores, they were not great. They were 4.4. Um, that's probably a generous 4.4. And so really looking at it and looking at the comments was, I can't get in. I, you know, I'm constantly being told it's not right. This and that. I'm supposed to come in every Thursday. I'm not, I'm not on the schedule. I'm waiting downstairs to get allowed upstairs. So again, when we started to figure out how to schedule correctly and how we mentored, we started to see improvement in our, our patient satisfaction scores because um, we knew that we had really good staff upstairs. And once we got them upstairs and their infusion and their treatment was going to be stellar, but, you know, things leading up to it was stuff that we were kind of struggling on. So that definitely impacted our patient scores. And that, trick that trickled right into our clinician experience as well, right? So we want to make sure that the docs are, are trusting that, that our patients are getting in, that we want docs to be docs, they're putting in orders and just follow through. Same thing that the nurses are, you know, treating patients, you know, administering the infusion, ensuring that there is an appointment, sure, but making sure that that gets done 
was really um, well, our goal. And then at the same time, you know, using some of the like, anecdotal data of like, you know, some of our longer infusions are starting too late in the day and we're staying past closing time or we're finding that breaks are, are not happening or maybe they're shorter or whatever. Like we wanted to then partner with IQ to say, hey, when can we, you know, ease off on the template a little bit in the mid-afternoon so we can start to do a little, little bit of break. So that was uh, a tremendous opportunity for us to kind of, um, like I said, our intention was just to schedule patients and then these other sort of things started to kind of unfold um, after that. And I think other features that we really started to sink our teeth into with the product was this uh, nurse allocation feature where now the charge nurse the night before can go in to, to IQ, look at the patients who are coming, the type of treatments that they're getting, and then can start to divvy out the nurse's assignment. So now the nurse, when they come in, he or she can look and say, all right, I'm going to see X amount of patients, and I know which time they're coming in and the type of treatment. And it, I think it's a really, at the time, was a really good mental exercise of like not walking in and being like, what am I going to walk into today? It was sort of like, now I know the assignment. I know I've managed my expectations and can kind of, you know, move and shake without, you know, within the, the sort of space. So that I think has been, uh, you know, other sort of advantages that we kind of unraveled as we went through the entire process. So that's fantastic. And, 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 and take a moment, Andrew, whenever somebody's inputting a new technology, a new management or operating system, whatever they're doing, th- there's always sort of challenges. Can you talk about what those challenges looked like and how did Lean Test help support that implementation and efforts? What was your sense of change management and, and how did this go? Yeah, I think in the beginning, it, it takes a lot of patience, right? So it's really trying to understand where the issues are. Um, and again, like I didn't come from infusion. I had background in emergency care. So working in an ED, um, you know, it's, it's sort of the same feel, you know, there's different patients that come in, there's a volume acuity, and then there's actual acuity that kind of comes in. So for me, I was able to kind of adapt um, and pick up on it fairly quickly. And I think partnering with Lintos helped me to kind of connect the whys and the other dots that I was maybe struggling with my, with myself and, you know, I threw the scrubs on a couple of days and went around and shadowed nurses and sat behind the schedulers and observed what happened at check-in and check-out and, you know, talked with Epic and really tried to immerse myself into the process. So as I said, it takes a lot of patience. Change doesn't happen overnight. Um, and with that comes a lot of teaching, you know, it's like a lot of coaching and uh, ob- observing, you know, the various individuals and their, their level of critical thinking, like, why are you getting this error message? What would you, what would your next step be? Okay, tell me about this. When would you escalate it? And so as I started to do those types of things, I was understanding that there was sort of a lack of clarity of, of roles <clears throat> and assignments. So I think that helped out of like, what was our expectation of what happened to check-in at checkout? Who was monitoring this work queue or who was managing day-to-day sort of scheduling? And I think that was a was a big help for me. Um, other things we did, we we checked in frequently with the staff. We did a lot of staff meetings. We even invited physician leadership as well, um, along with operational nursing leadership too. So made sure that they were there, that they heard what we were struggling with. Maybe we needed more travelers. Maybe we needed more, you know, added staff, whatever that it might be to help us do that. Um, and then sort of the day-to-day stuff. I'm big on proactive rounding. I've worked on areas where you felt like, you know, maybe your manager was around, but maybe the director or the or the chief nurse, you know, could have been more present. So that was something that always resonated with me. So I, I always want to do at least once a day proactive rounding. And it's not sort of that like I'm walking saying hi, it's 
how's your day going? What's going well? What are you struggling with? That kind of stuff. So at least once a day, my goal is twice a day to just round on the units, understand where there might be challenges um, and what I could do at my level to, to kind of help, you know, their, their sort of experience throughout the day. Um, other things, that, again, is like celebrating successes. You know, I think that's huge. You know, when we set out to do a goal, no matter if it's big or small, we want to make sure that we're recognizing the staff who are in it and, and praising everybody and celebrating, you know, those, those simple wins. And I think that's, that's been, that's, that's a huge help. And I think that goes a long way. I don't think working in healthcare in the last two and a half years has been easy for anybody, whether that's, you know, frontline staff, leadership, so forth. But, you know, I think trying to get little wins goes a long way. Um, and then again, the last things I think partnering with, with, with Lean Toss was they're a tremendous collaborator. So I think it's important to kind of go in uh, to those meetings and maybe being a little humble or maybe a little honest about the struggles and just, you know, sort of like, I can't wrap my head around this. What do you guys think? Can you take a look at this? I don't know. I'm really struggling here. Um, and I think that kind of takes a little bit of like checking your ego a bit on the side and making sure that we're all here to do one thing. And that's, you know, for patient care and, and for the clinician experience. So, so again, just recently, I think it, it's kind of a two-way street. Not only am I going to them, but they're doing work on the back end as well. Just yesterday, I got an email saying that, you know, they, they've seen a bump in our compliance rate. And they said, you know, I think it's time maybe to look at our current templates and apply some modifications. And I was like, you know what? We've been so busy. I haven't even had a chance to go back into the dashboard and see how we're doing. But I agree, like, let's let the dust settle here for a period of time and let's, let's relook at these templates. Um, so I think that's the, kind of the unique part, part of it, too, is that it is sort of a two-way street where I can go and be like, we're, we're experiencing this. And so around there, and they're like, hey, we're seeing this. What's going on? So it's been a tremendous sort of give and take, which I think is only going to slingshot us in the future. As I said, our goal is to open up all 35 chairs. And so we got approved for four more incremental nurses. And, you know, we just went from 16 to 20 chairs. I'd love to get us up to 20 or 26 chairs. And you know, with that, we'll be circling back to, to our colleagues there and saying, hey, it's time to green light this. What do you think? And uh, so, yeah, it's a pretty exciting time. And I think partnering, you know, with, with, with these colleagues is, is only going to help us be successful. Thank you. But, Andrew, your point is so well taken. I mean, as you talk about this on moving from 16 to 20 chairs and so forth, whatever the number is and whatever the staffing is, you don't want to do that unless you're making sure you're using the existing 16 chairs really efficiently, that you're using them right so that you don't have extra slack, you're not adding extra cost. You don't need. So this has been a huge boon to efficiency, I take it, the efficiency, quality, and make sure you're, you're sort of maximizing or optimally using your resources. Is that a fair statement? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, lean methodology 101. You want to first utilize the available resources before you start throwing more money and time at, at other things before you really understand, you know, how you optimized you know, what, what your current state is. And I think that's where we've been over the last year. And I think now we've moved out of this sort of novice phase of like, you know, newer staff, a new building, new workflow, and we moved into this competence. And I always reflect upon Patricia Benners from Novice Expert. And, you know, I think we're going to be in the, in the, you know, competent phase here for a little while, but, you know, it's sort of like, where's the next step now? How do we get to be proficient? I think we're, we're mirroring that point. And I think once we started to that proficient or even to expert um, of those, you know, certain chairs, it's like, all right, now we can start expanding into these incremental chairs 
and then start to replicate, you know, our current state to help us, you know, even even get busier and, and better. So it really is going to be an exciting time over the next, you know, 12 months or so, 12, 18 months. It's going to be great. Thank you very much. Andrew, I want to thank you for joining us. Just brilliant thought leadership around sort of maximizing working with making the oncology infusion department work well, the infusion chairs work well, and just great optimization. Thank you very much. Thank you to Wingtoss as well. I know that online people could find more, the on-demand sort of uh, some of the resources from the Wingtoss Transform Hospital Operations Summit. Uh, and, and thank you for your work at New York Presbyterian, Brooklyn Methodist. Phenomenal, Andrew. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Scott. Pleasure to be here. Thanks so much.